Hi, I'm Marilyn Bills. For those of you who don't know me, I am the Director of Worship Arts at Hope, Mount Laurel, and Voorhees. Um, I have been the Worship Arts Director since day one, so for all 27 plus years that we've been around. I'm also, and a lot of, it's, um, we're amazed at the number of people who don't put the connection together. I'm also married to our lead pastor, Jeff Bills. <laughs> And uh, some, some people that comes as a shock too when, I, when I, we tell them, yeah, we, we actually come as a match set sometimes. Um, but anyway, I'd love being at, Vore, at Hope Mount Laurel to worship. It really reminds me of our early days 27 plus years ago. Um, and many of you have heard the story of how we got started, but indulge me, I don't often get to tell the story from my perspective. So back in 1988, I was a music teacher in Gloucester Township Schools, and Jeff was one of the associate pastors at Haddonfield United Methodist Church. We had one car, and so if he needed the wheels for the day, he would take me to work. So on this particular day in 1988, he took me to work, and he had to do hospital calls at what, that time, I think it was called West Jersey Hospital, it was on Evesham Road in, in Voorhees. As he was coming back from his hospital visit and going back to the church, he um, found, went past this huge construction site on the corner of Crescent Road and Evesham, and it caught his attention. So he went in and he started chatting up the people in the sales office and found out that it was a kind of this unique thing they were trying to build in this sprawling, large township. They were trying to create small town Main Street USA. So they gave Jeff some floor plans of condos and he walked around the, the site. And when he's walking around, he's going, this is really kind of cool. There's some large office buildings. There's a place where you could live. There's these condos. There's a grocery store across the street. And then there's a strip of stores where you could buy clothes or knickknacks. There were restaurants. So pretty much you could live, work, and play in this little place called Main Street. As he's walking around, the way Jeff tells his story is that he, f he heard a voice in his soul say, what's missing? He's going, well, I've got a place to live, I've got a place to work, I've got things to do, I've got a place to shop. There's no church. Where's the church? And then he heard the voice say to him, profound God moment. You know, you know how we always say, I wish God would give me a billboard? God gave Jeff this billboard and said, build me a church in Voorhees, New Jersey. When he picked me up from work that day, he was flying high. He could not stop talking about this incredible God encounter that he had had that morning. As you can imagine, our next couple of years, our conversation settled around were centered around this incredible vision, this mission that God had put on his heart. We talked to the senior pastor at Haddonfield Church, and he got excited with us and wanted to throw the support of Haddonfield Church behind us. He went and talked to the higher-ups at the United Methodist Conference that were part of the, uh, the Greater New Jersey Conference. They got excited with us, and they wanted to give their support behind this project. We spent the next two years planning and developing a team. Jeff got permission from the Voorhees School to use a brand new elementary school, Signal Hill School, where we we're gonna be holding our Sunday services. Over that next two year period, 
there were a lot of ups and downs. There were obstacles and there were hurdles that we had to overcome. But there was never a point where we didn't say, God is in this. It was so exciting to see how God was constantly in the planning process and he was just showing up in big, loud, amazing ways until January of 1990. In January of 1990, we were planning on, well, in, Jan in 1990, we were planning on launching Hope Church on April 1st. And so in January, we had recruited 150 volunteers from Haddonfield Church to make 20,000 phone calls. Couldn't do that today. But back then, we, you could do telephone soliciting. We were going to make 20,000 phone calls over the course of four weeks to invite our neighbors in Voorhees and surrounding communities to this thing called Hope Church. We were just about to do that training when Jeff got a phone call from the Voorhees schools and said, you know that school we said you could have in April? Not so much. Um, we are not ready to release that school for leasing yet. Maybe in the fall. We think it might be ready by October, possibly November. The bottom fell out. Jeff went from this incredible mountaintop experience, vision from God, two years of God prepping his heart and his team for what? Jeff was ready to walk away. It was all for nothing. Maybe he misread God's vision. Maybe that experience he had at Main Street wasn't real after all. Now what? In our great summer reads that we're going to be doing this week with Elijah, it seems that Elijah was dealing with a similar emotion. Elijah is a prophet during the time of King Ahab. So in, in Israel's history at this time, Israel is actually split into two kingdoms, the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. And the northern kingdom has had a string of very mean, evil men who do not follow God. King Ahab is probably the worst of the worst. In fact, God says this of King Ahab. He did more evil in the eyes of the Lord than any of those before him. King Ahab and his wife Jezebel not only do not follow God, they have set up Baal worship throughout the kingdom. This has not made God happy with them. And God has a prophet, Elijah, who is constantly confronting Ahab with his disobedience, which makes Elijah not a favored person in the eyes of King Ahab and, and Jezebel. But it's an interesting thing that God has done through Elijah. So God, years before, has told Elijah, go tell King Ahab, I'm not happy with him, and we're going to have a drought for three years. So Elijah does that. He goes off in the wilderness. God does amazing things. If you want to read the whole story, it's in 1 Kings chapter 16, 17, and 18. God shows up in big, loud, dramatic ways in how he takes care of Elijah over the course of those three years. And then at the end of those three years, God sends word to Elijah and says, it's time to confront Ahab. And I, and I want the people of Israel to know that without a doubt that I am the one true God. We're going to have a little showdown. And so they have a showdown on the top of Mount Carmel. So picture the scene. I want you to pretend that you're one of the Israelites on top of Mount Carmel. 
Ahab has gathered as many Israelites as possible and 450 prophets of Baal, and they go to the top of Mount Carmel. And then there's Elijah, the only prophet left of the one true God. Elijah gets up in front of what must be at this point thousands of people, and this is what he says to the people. How much longer will you waver hobbling between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, then follow him. And the people were silent. They must have been confused, amazed, and gone, what is this maniacation of these people are as he's addressing these thousands of people? Then Elijah does something interesting. He says, bring me two bulls. And then he looks at the prophets of Baal, and he says, there's more of you than me, so this is what we're going to do. You pick the bull you want. We're both going to set up our altars. We're going to prepare the bulls for sacrifice. We're going to pray to our gods for the rain to come. But we're not going to set fire to the sacrifice. We're going to see which god will set fire to our sacrifices without us setting fire to them. And the god who answers our prayer to set fire to our sacrifice, he will be the one true god. And the people said, sounds like a good plan. Let's do that. So the, the prophets of Baal take their bull. They prepare it. They set it up on the, on the wood platform. They all gather around their altar. They pray to the god, their god Baal that he's going to set fire to this sacrifice and nothing happens. There's thousands of people watching this now. Elijah stands back, looks at them, and says, hmm, maybe your God's a little deaf today. Maybe you should try praying a little bit louder. So they do. They, they, they get a little bit more excited. The emotional level is getting higher and higher, and they're, they're praying, they're, they're screaming and yelling, and nothing happens. Now it's Elijah's turn. It's getting on the towards nighttime, which is the, the traditional time for the Jewish sacrifice. Elijah sets up to the altar table. He has the people dig a huge trench around the altar table. And then he says, let's pour some water on it. And they pour water over the bull and the wood platform. And he says, oh, pour some more. They keep pouring water on this sacrifice until the trench is completely filled with water. And then Elijah stands up, moves up to the platform, and this is what he says. O oh Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, prove today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant. Prove that you have done all this, at, that I have done all this at your command. O oh Lord, answer me. Answer me so that these people will know that you, O oh Lord, are God and that you have brought them back to yourself. Immediately, the fire of the Lord flashed down from heaven and burned up the young bull, the wood, the stones, and the dust. It even licked up all the water in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell face down on the ground and cried out, The Lord, he is God. Yes, the Lord is God. Can you imagine what these people are doing? They're having a party on top of Mount Carmel. God won. Elijah is the victor. They slaughter all the prophets of Baal, and of course the clouds come and it rains, and it's like, whoa, look what God has done here. So now what? So Ahab runs back to his house. He tells Jezebel what happened. 
Jezebel's not real happy with him, with, with Elijah. And Jezebel sends this word to Elijah, may the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like one of them, meaning like one of the prophets of Baal. Now, Elijah just had this incredible experience. He's had three years of God taking care of him in the wilderness. He had this amazing God moment on the top of Mount Carmel. And when he gets, not a problem. I am the prophet of God. We all know the power of God, right? Not so much. Instead, Elijah goes running away, just as we saw in this video. He goes running away, and he says, I have had enough, Lord. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Elijah is ready to throw in the towel. Wow. Elijah is done. He is totally discouraged. You know, following God and doing his work, it can be hard and tiring at times. And it can get discouraging. You know, Jeff, back in January of 1990, he was done. He had decided that he had misread, he had misheard the vision from God. He was ready to throw in the towel. But you know what? God wasn't done with Jeff Bills yet. And God wasn't done with Elijah yet. For Elijah, this is what it looked like. He runs away when, after he gets word from, from Jezebel. We just saw the angel comes, feeds him. He goes back to sleep. The angel comes again and feeds him. I find this fascinating. One of the things that can happen when we get discouraged and we get totally stressed out is we stop taking care of ourselves. We sit, we sit under a tree, we whine and complain, and then we don't take care of ourselves. And God took a moment to send Elijah an angel and said, I'm not done with you yet. You need to eat because you're going to need some nourishment for this travel. And then he rests some more. And then the angel come back, comes back and does it again. Here's some food and some water. This is going to be a hard journey, but I'm not done with you yet. And then he sends him on his way. He has a 40-day journey to Mount Horeb. And when he gets there, I love this encounter he has with God. God says, what are you doing here, Elijah? And Elijah replies, now we're now in the 19th chapter of First Kings, Elijah replies, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. If this is the first thing you ever read in First Kings, you might think that God was never real in Elijah's life. It was just a few weeks earlier that Elijah had that experience on top of Mount Carmel. But God, in his never-ending patience, tells Elijah, go stand on, on the mountain because the presence of the Lord is about to pass by. What happens next is probably passages that you've heard before and probably heard preached on many times. Powerful wind came, shattered the rocks, but the Lord was not in the wind. The wind came and there was an earthquake. After the wind came the earthquake and the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came fire and the Lord, he was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. 
When Elijah heard the gentle whisper, he pulled his cloak over his face and he went and stood at the mouth of the cave. You know, so often when I hear these pas passages preached on, it's all about the fact that God was in the gentle whisper and not in those other things. I disagree. Just a few weeks ago, on top of Mount Carmel, God was in the fire and the storm. The three years leading up to that, God was loud and big and in charge and was very obvious to Elijah how he was speaking to Elijah. In Psalms, if you read through the Psalms, shout to the Lord, praise him with drums and tambourines and dance, do it loudly. God is in the loud celebrations. But at this point, Elijah needed to be refocused. So sometimes, sometimes when we, when we have spent a lot of time with God in the loud and the fire and the earthquakes and the loud celebrations, it can get overwhelming. And God needs to spend some time to refocus us. I think Elijah had gotten tired. He had lost his focus. He had forgotten who was in control. And then we have another interaction with God and Elijah. Elijah has now gone out to the mouth of the cave, and now God is in the gentle whisper. And he asks again, what are you doing here, Elijah? And Elijah says again, I have been zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, put the prophets to death with a sword. I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. In the account that we have in 1 Kings, God never acknowledges anything that Elijah just said. What are you doing here, Elijah? Do you think God didn't know? I think God already knew his heart. God knew how tired Elijah was. He knew his frustration. He knew his fears. But God, in his patience with Elijah and with his patience with us, often will just let, let us go on our rants and let us go on the complaints because sometimes we just need to hear that. We, maybe Elijah just need to hear the words himself about how, he, how, how tired he was. But what happens next is interesting. God, he doesn't do anything to acknowledge the words that Elijah spoke. Instead, he just gives him his next assignment. He said, go back the way you came, get back to work. You have some kings to anoint. You have a successor to anoint. And then you're going to have to mentor him for a while. How God continued to speak to Israel through Elijah, through the rest of 1 Kings, and even into the first couple chapters of 2 Kings. God was not done with Elijah after he refocused him. You know, back in January of 1990, God wasn't done with Jeff Bills yet either. Jeff was ready to quit. He was ready to throw in the towel. The problem was God hadn't told the rest of us on the team that it was over. And so we couldn't think of a good reason to let Jeff quit. In the two years leading up to the launch of Hope Church, 
Jeff often taught on Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2 is this beautiful picture of the early Christian church. And at the end of that chapter, it says this, Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the family, those who were being saved. You know, I actually took that last line and I added, not Jeff Bills. The Lord added to their number daily, not Jeff Bills. I actually printed it out. We had a small home office. I made border paper and put it around. And the Lord added to their number daily, dash, not Jeff Bills. I really did that. <laughs> Jeff got very quiet for a couple of months. He did his own kind of 40-day journey to Mount Horeb. He spent some time in self-pity and a lot of time in prayer. Actually, we spent a lot of time in prayer. He eventually realized that God was saying, not yet. Let's wait until November to start Hope Church. Towards the end of the spring of that year and into the summer, God was able to refocus Jeff's attention. He found a renewed energy in following this wild vision that God had placed on his heart a couple years earlier. Yeah, I started this message by saying how much I love being here because it brings back memories of the early days. Being part of transforming this cafeteria into a worship space. Seeing the classrooms being transformed to a nursery and classrooms for Kids Connect, sitting on hard metal chairs. <laughs> Best part. Yeah, it really is. It's an exciting time. But it can also be overwhelming at times. It can get tiring and discouraging. God has been doing a big, loud work in many of you for a while now. Hope had this vision to start Mount Laurel a couple of years ago. And as a community, we prayed for months. We continued, as we continued going forward with the plans. And then Jeff and Rick gathered groups together and more prayers and more discussion happened. What might this look like? God kept showing up with the, and we, the excitement level kept getting higher. Every, time, every step that we took, was that one more indication that God was in these plans and this was the right vision for Hope Church. The fall, the fall came and the finances fell into place and we got this huge grant from the conference. Someone donated a billboard on Route 73 to announce the launch date. God was in this. Then launch Sunday came and the celebrations got even louder. Yay, God, you are the one true God. We all screamed together. Then weeks turned into months. Sunday after Sunday, it didn't just rain. It poured. Or it snowed. The work can start getting tiring. Many of you are still as excited as you were on launch Sunday, and that's awesome. But some of you might be feeling a little discouraged and a little tired. So I am here to tell you the same thing I told Jeff 28 years ago. God added to their number daily. God added to their number daily. And God is doing a great work through you here at Mount Laurel. And he's not done yet. I have been excited about the stories that have been coming from this campus, and I look forward to many more. If you're tired and you're discouraged and you're thinking that you're ready to throw in the towel, I hope you hear God asking you, what are you doing here? 
allow him to refocus your attention. Maybe you need to sit under a tree for a moment like Elijah and just rest and get some nourishment. Maybe like Jeff, you need some friends to come around you to remind you that it's not about you. You're not the one in control. Maybe God needs to take you on a 40-day journey to just get away from the loud celebrations so that you can hear the whisper as well as hear God in the fire. Whatever it might be for you, I commit to keep praying for you and with you. I, I commit to get quiet and to let God refocus me when necessary, to listen for the whisper. Because just like Jeff and just like Elijah, <laughs> I often need God to refocus me. I can get so charged up and with the excitement and the mission that I can run ahead of God's vision. I sometimes forget that ministry is a marathon and not a sprint. And then I can get tired and discouraged because the Jezebels seem so big and so loud. Yet we are pushing up against a culture that doesn't know who we are or who we serve. Jesus is misrepresented in the media, and unfortunately, he is sometimes misrepresented in the people who claim to be his followers. So our work fighting against this culture is hard. Not as hard as what Elijah was facing. Back in January of 1990, Jeff was tired. He had the wind knocked out of him, and he couldn't see that God was still in the vision. The Jezebels were telling him that South Jersey didn't need another United Methodist Church. The Jezebels were telling him he didn't have what it takes to plant a church. And he started to listen and to believe those voices. Following God and being involved in his ministry is so exciting, isn't it? It is so exciting, but the work can get hard. It can get tiring to, to keep obeying and following his work and the reward and especially when we don't get the reward and the pats on the back that we think we deserve there aren't a whole lot of people telling you what a fine job you're doing and there are times that Jezebel is just not happy with you the school systems don't get on your timetable or every Sunday I'm on the setup team it's pouring down rain or the other people on my team are not quite as excited as I hoped or fill in the blank. Ministry can be hard, and there are times that we just want to throw in the towel and say, enough, I'm done. It's part of our human nature to live in the, so now what? But if, there, if this is where you are this morning, it's okay. Maybe it's, this is just your time where God needs to refocus you, to replant this vision in your heart, and that he is not done with you yet. If you're fully charged up this morning and you think you've just begun the marathon, awesome. You might be the one that needs to be the voice of encouragement to someone else to remind them that God is fully in control. And this is an exciting thing that's happening here at Mount Laurel. But no matter where you are in this journey, one thing I know for sure, God is not done with you yet. Let's stand together. So as we go through this week and beyond, when you feel yourself slipping into the desperate, now what? Know that God can handle the complaint. He already knows anyway. But just like with Elijah, he may need to refocus our attention periodically back to himself 
not acknowledging the complaint, but instead just simply giving us our next assignment. So now what? Ask him, he'll tell you. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this place called Hope in Mount Laurel. Thank you for the men and women that are making this happen, that you are working through. God, I pray for the people that have yet to discover hope. I pray that you would be preparing the hearts of those who need to know you at a deeper level. God, show us how to invite people in. Show us how to be your light into this community. And God, in all things, we give you the thanks and the praise for how you will continue, continue to let us be your hands and feet. And it's in Jesus' name, amen. Have a great week.